time so far at the conference? Awesome. Yeah, you can give God a louder clap than that. <laughs> yes, amen. We should always cheer louder for Jesus than we do for the saints. Amen? Amen. My name's Sela Kim. Uh, such an honor to be here and to host and moderate this panel discussion. Life group is so important. I think that we as Christians, we're commissioned, right? We're called. We're ambassadors. We're not just here to come to church and go home. Wherever we are, we should, we should share the love of Christ. It could be through prayer. It could be by sowing a seed of love, saying a word of encouragement to those around us. But I think most importantly, it's discipleship. It's the commitment to love and grow and plant that seed and watch it fertilize and bear fruit for the kingdom of God. Amen? Yes. So we've got a great um, group of panelists here. They're all leaders. You're probably familiar with all of them. So let's start talking to these important folks, these leaders of Life Group, and talk about how you're making a difference around you and around a difference um, to the people that you're ministering to. So let's start right here with Jeff. We're going to talk about who you are, introduce yourself to folks who may not know you, and tell us about how you got into leadership and leading a life group. Absolutely. I'm Jeff Miller. I'm from the West Bank. Go West Bank, right? <laughs> and uh, I've been with Celebration Church a little over seven years now. I, I got voluntold to be a life group leader. How many of you are like that, right? All right. So I was in a life group for about three months, and then all of a sudden they said, hey, why don't you become a life group leader? Here's some training. And then off and running we went, and we've been doing it ever since. And it's been a great experience here at the Celebration Church. We love the family here. This is one church, and, and, and we love that fact too. So uh, well, I'm looking forward to this. Amen. I'm James Fletcher, uh, the pastor of the River Parishes campus. Um, <laughs> life group, um, it's a funny story. I never wanted to go to life group. When I first came to church, my wife kept begging me to go to life group. And, you know, happy wife, happy life, right? So I finally said yes. Um, and then when I went to life group, uh, someone named William Perry shared the gospel with me, changed my life uh, for the better. And in six short years, God took me from a sinner to being saved, to helping kids, to being a campus pastor. So God is good, and life group can change your life. My name is Darius. I am from the Metairie campus. There we go. I see a lot of us in here. Uh, I serve here as the young adult pastor and life group zone pastor. And I started coming to the church about two years ago. I moved here uh, from Sulphur, Louisiana, which is around the Lake Charles area. And I got involved in life groups because uh, one of the life group guy leaders, he spoke. He shared at the block, at, which is our young adult ministry. And I was like, hey, I want to get in your group and get connected. So I got connected with those guys. We hung out a lot. We shared life together. And the rest is history. I love those guys. It's a good time. Yeah. My name is Jennifer Gonzalez, and I attend the Lower St. Bernard campus. <laughs> We've been attending, my husband and I, David, have been attending Celebration probably for about 12 years. And for seven, the first seven years, we were at the uh, St. Bernard Ninth Ward campus. And we did the ultimate multiplication when we talk about life groups, and we multiplied out of that campus and started a new campus in Violet, Louisiana. So that was definitely the ultimate campus. Um, as far as getting connected into life group, uh, I had grown up in a Catholic church. We didn't do uh, Bible studies, life groups. We didn't visit in other people's homes. So it was definitely new to me. Uh, but Pastor Patrick and Tambra came after us and uh, invited us a couple of times, and we decided to visit. And I was on the edge of my seat at every life group, and I was really on the receiving end of what a servant leader's heart is. Because in our early days, I had a 16-year-old brother that died um, suddenly of a heart mutation. 
And I was in that life group for maybe two months, and that life group and those leaders just really rallied around me and David and loved on me, and it made such a huge impact on my life that I knew that I wanted to be that kind of leader, and that's how I got involved in life group leadership. Hi, my name is Carla Rosales, and um, I go to Iglesia Celebration right next door. <laughs> um, my husband and I joined uh, Celebration about seven years ago, so now three kids later. <laughs> um, we started Life Group because my sister invited us, but I was very hesitant because I've been hurt before, and I was like, I'll go, but I'm not going to participate. And then I was like, okay, I'll open my house, but I'm not going to be a leader. And then I was like, okay, I'll be a leader. <laughs> so the Lord changed my heart in different stages, and we took the class with Michelle and other wonderful people to give us the tools that we needed to succeed, and it's the best decision ever. And we're so happy to be part of Celebration uh, family. Wonderful, wonderful. Thank you so much for sharing, and thank you so much for serving for your servant heart and attitude and leadership. And when I was listening to you guys, I have a list of questions, but you know what I what came into my head was, you know, if you want to pour into others, you have to be filled by the Holy Spirit first, and you first have to receive. How do you um, get filled? How do you prepare for a life group? How do you prepare so you can minister and pour to those around you? That's a great question. Um, I did, did a lot of things. I mean, prayer is probably the first and, and, and most best thing you can do for life groups is spend some time in prayer praying for the people that are coming to your life group praying for the people that will come to your life group because that that's a big piece of it too uh the other thing i do i'm also in seminary now so it it, it uh, definitely keeps me busy doing that but i find that i'm able to take the knowledge that i gain there and and give it to my life group as well when you don't pray, do you see a difference? Like when you're there, not prepared, absolutely. do you see a difference in the yeah, outcome of your life group meeting? There is an absolute difference. I mean, the prayer makes all the difference in the world because it's not about what you do. It's about what God does through you and what it does for your, your group. And I, I think that's a key to it. Amen. Amen. Darius? Okay. Whoever wants to go next. I'll go next. Um, something that I'll, I've learned to do over time of being a life group leader is to get there early. I get there early because my group, we meet at Cafe Dumont in City Park. And so, you know, everybody knows City Park is just beautiful, right? So I get to City Park early. I bring my Bible, and I just go walk. And I talk with the Lord. I read scripture. And I just allow the, the Lord and his presence and his spirit to just fill me up, fill my cup up, so that when my life group does show up, it's more of an overflow effect than just, a, oh, it's been a long day. It's been a hard day. This is all I got left. <laughs> y'all just take what y'all can get, you know? But if I, get, if I can get there early, spend some time with the Lord, get spend some time in solitude, and just allow him to pour into me, be still. And I just think it makes for a better group, and it, it fills me up and gets me ready. So basically, James, then being a you can give the mic to James because you probably want to answer too. So basically, then, it helps us. It helps the leaders too, right? Kind of like pastors, and David's here, David. Board, right? Pastors always say that when they're up here speaking, they say, hey, it doesn't matter what you get. I'm ministering to myself. I'm preaching to myself. So when you're preparing for your sermons, when you're preparing for life group, you're actually encouraging yourself. So it actually helps your relationship with God. Yeah. And if, if you think about it, you got to prepare for, for anything that you're doing. You want to prepare for the test, whatever it is. Right. Um, so why would you take less of a, a step with the Lord? Right. When you're trying to lead people. Um, and you're trying to grow with people. So I always make sure that I am over-prepared. Um, and sometimes, like Darius said, the day is crazy, um, right? But 
I don't never want to give anyone um, what's the leftovers. You know what I mean? I want to give, like you said, out of the overflow. So I always try and make sure that, do I fail sometimes? Of course. Um, but I make sure that I am going in and I am super prepared because there will be questions that people will ask. And it's not on the agenda, all right? But they ask you a question, are you prepared for that question? Um, so just, you can never be too prepared when, you know, when you think about it. And that's, I make sure that I do that because I want people to, to leave there better um, than they came, for sure. All right, I want to give Carla and Jen also a chance to answer. I would agree with these guys, prayer and spending time with the Lord, it's a necessity. It's not something that you, you try to make time for, you make time for it. But to add on top of that, I would say as a life group leader and doing this 12 years now, and I'm surrounded by people who've been doing it 20 and 30 years, never feel like you have, you have arrived. You need to stay connected. You need to be meeting, making those meetings that your pastor's doing, whether it's weekly, monthly, quarterly, taking the classes. Even if you've already taken a class two and three times, take it again. You're, you've never arrived and you need to stay connected as a life group leader. You need to surround yourself with other life group leaders as well. Yes, I uh, totally agree with that. And also, son, let's be honest, sometimes we don't feel like it <laughs> and we have to make an extra effort. Um, we had a bad day at, at work or the kids are being extra today. So that's when I call my friends and life group and I'll be, hey, can you pray for me today? Or can you help me out? You know, it's a shared ministry. So it's not just on us, but that's how we prepare future leaders too. Like, hey, um, can you do the questions today? help me pray, and, you know, surrounded us people who will keep us accountable and that would um, encourage us when we're not feeling like it, you know, but we have to make that extra step to get that help, help from others. Did you want to jump in and say something, Jeff? I was going to give props to my wife because one of the things that we do with our life group is uh, we feed them. And just Amen to that. <laughs> free food. People come if with food, If it's free, right? give me three. <laughs> And, and, but what that does is allows us opportunity to fellowship with them prior to the life group. And then we have, really have a, a, a connection with the people that come with our life group. And I think that's key to it as well. And it's, it's, it's not, I guess, preparation per se, but it does set you up for opening your, your heart up for the message that they're receiving during life group. And so I would encourage everybody to have some kind of social time prior to the life group that you can, you can relax and get everybody uh, just prepared to, to receive that message. I would even piggyback off of what they said and talk about um, creating a culture within life group um, that allows the people in your group to know that they have something to bring to the table as well. Like you don't know, you may not feel, because a lot of them when they come to our group, they feel like they don't know as much Bible as you do. Um, or they, don't have, they, have, they don't have the same quote unquote powerful experiences with the Lord as you do. But they have experiences with the Lord. They do have encounters with the Lord. They do know scripture. But it's our job as leaders to pull that out of them. And make them bring that to the table. Like, no, share your experiences. Share the scriptures that you do know. Because that then helps me as a leader. Because I know that when I go to life group, I'm not just going to be pouring out. But I know I've got some guys in my group who's going to be pouring into me. Because, like, they taking that initiative. Matter of fact, last week when we were meeting, uh, one of the guys, I was like, what do you need from me as a life group leader? What can I do better? Like, what are some opportunities that you see? He was like, one of the things I would like for us to do um, is start leaving every life group with you giving us a challenge to take throughout the week whether that's reading our Bibles or not listening or doing certain things, focusing on the Lord, reading so much passage of Scripture, they give us a challenge. And I was like, oh, you're you going to end up being a leader. You better stop talking, <laughs> you know? But it, it just goes to show, like, when you create and give them ownership 
um, and believe in them, then they start to believe in themselves and oh, it enriches it. the entire group. I love it because we need the community. We need a community. We need to be poured into as well. And Carla, I just wanted to kind of piggyback off of what you said. You're absolutely right. In the past, when I've led life groups too, there are days when you're stressed, when you're tired, and the last thing you want to do is prepare food for guests coming over. My house is a mess. I need to do my laundry. You know, I'm stressed out from work and, and I don't feel as prepared. But in those moments, you know, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. I've seen the Holy Spirit show up even stronger, especially when I am weak and when I feel so unequipped. And when I feel like I don't deserve to be the leader, that's when the Holy Spirit shows up even more to prove it's not Salah Kim, it's God, right? And I'll give you just one example, and maybe you guys have stories too. Because when we're obedient, and when we just say yes to the calling and say, we will serve, Lord, whatever you want, even though I don't feel like it today, right? Just obey. And when I obey, I feel like God's like, I'll do this. You can just sit back, right? So sometimes I'll invite my life group over, and in the past, I don't do it anymore, but when the past in the house is a mess, it doesn't matter. The food wasn't even prepared. It's like raw. <laughs> Everything's burning, <laughs> you know? And that's when they got the most out of that life group meeting. It's amazing. One day at work, and my mission now is uh, to be a marketplace minister in my workplace, in my vocation. So I work at Channel 6 WDSU, and my goal is to be an ambassador in my workplace. That's my ministry, is serving those that I work with in the news business to reclaim the mountain of media for the kingdom of God. And so one story I wanted to quickly share for me is one of my friends, my coworkers at work, he doesn't work in my department. He works in the promotions department. So when you see commercials at Channel 6, you know, you see, watch Salah Kim, you know, 10 o'clock. When you see those commercials, he's in charge of putting all those commercials together. Well, Dave had a stroke one day. So he was in the hospital. He got, he got um, you know, shipped via ambulance from work, and we were all concerned about him. We were all going to go meet him at the hospital, but everyone flaked. <laughs> Nobody wanted to go anymore, and so it was up to me to visit Dave at the hospital. And, you know, I was preparing for my wedding that time, so I had a mountain of work to do, a to-do list that was three pages long. I had work on top of that. I was so stressed, and spiritually, I was so not ready to go to the hospital and pray for anybody, right? But out of obedience, because God said, just go and visit. It was just a simple act of obedience. During my dinner break, I went to the hospital, and he was telling me that during his stroke, he was in so much pain. He said the world was spinning, and his head was hurting, and he said, Salah, I was in so much pain. I never cried like that in my life. And you know what? I thought I was going to die. And it hit me. I better be right with my maker. And I said, oh, I know your maker. I know his name. His name is Jesus Christ, and I know him really well. So let me pray for you. I prayed for him at the hospital, and I brought him to Celebration Church, and I hooked him up with John Frady, and the rest is history. He's been coming to church consistently. He's been in the life group. Amen. Thank you. Praise God. He's been coming to life group consistently with John Frady. And you know what? It's a testament. I share that story to say it was not me. That was definitely God at work when I just obeyed. So I feel like that's what, and, and now he's a changed man. Now he loves the Lord. He's fasting and praying. I mean, <laughs> he's evangelizing to people in my workplace, right? And all it took was for me to just obey when I wasn't feeling like it because God will work, not me. Just, I think he did that to prove it's not you, Sulla. You're not that great. It's me. So less of me, 
more of Jesus. That's my goal. So do you feel that way too in your life group as a leader? You know, you're just obeying. You're just obeying his call to lead and disciple and help, and the Holy Spirit will take over. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's uh, such a strong feeling because in our weakness, that's when Christ steps through. And, yeah, I, I can go back to, to the reason that I stay, I'm, I'm with this church and I stayed with this church is I lost my son, and this church reached out to me. And it was just an incredible thing, and that's what got us started on this path. And if we can just simply do that to anybody that's in pain, then, then, then we're doing our mission. It doesn't matter if you're a life group leader or not. We, we all share the, the, the need to, to make disciples of all nations. We all share the need to, to go out and evangelize. And if we just simply obey, it's amazing the results that will happen. And I think sometimes we get so caught up into what we're supposed to be doing for the church and you know, we're, we're leaders and we get tied up in, in all the politics that go with that that we forget that it's, it's, the, it's the, the hurting out there, the sick that are out there that need us. And we just need to focus on that. Yeah, the people. The people. people. And so on that note, please feel it a ju- free to jump in. Is there one particular person that you've discipled to, that you've seen them grow, you've poured into them? And do you have stories similar that you can see a change You've seen miracles happen in your life group. Anyone have stories to share, Carla? So um, I always like to tell the story about my friend, Andrea Martinez. So we met on a um, mission trip to Guatemala. Uh, Michelle was there. Uh, we never met, but for some reason, people thought we were sisters <laughs> because we kind of look a little bit alike. So um, she was a new converted Christian, and we started hanging out a lot, and her husband still was not coming to church, but we were um, praying and praying, and the Lord made so many miracles. And nowadays, they're both uh, serving together, and they're one of the people who have evangelized so many of their peers through their testimony, and they brought them to church, and they have baptized them. So um, last year, they lost their home because of the hurricane. It was very rough for them, but... I saw how the Lord has been using that to glorify his name. So I, I feel like now we started as a discipleship relationship, but now it's like Aaron and Aaron sharpening each other. You know, like that's my friend who we walk in faith together and making each other grow. And I think it's as, um, as a life group member, as a leader, it's such a wonderful thing to have like a front line um, ticket to see the miracles that God is doing in people's life. And I can't imagine what else they have in store for them, you know. So I think those testimonies sometimes keep us going, you know. We're doing this uh, for the Lord, and we don't know how the Lord might use that person in the future. Jen? Yay. Yay. Yeah, feel free to clap. It encourages us on stage when we get an amen or a clap. So please clap or say amen. Jen, you want to say something? When I think about the people that I've discipled through the years, there's many, but there's two people that um, last night I was thinking about, who could that person be? And there's two people that I think about, and it's actually my parents. Um, They came to church for the first time probably about eight, nine years ago. And we were a family that, again, we grew up Catholic, and so they really thought that this church I was going to, Celebration Church, was brainwashing me. I was spending all my time there, and they were really upset about that. And so they came to church to the Araby campus, and it just so happened, they walked in the door, and I remember looking at my husband, David, thinking, oh, no, because I know my mom and dad, and they, re- they were there, they were going to be respectful, but they were going to wait to the end of the service and talk with the pastor and let them know what they thought, right? 
And it just so happened, this is how, the, this is how God works, it just so happens that Pastor Dennis Watson was there preaching that day. And he was preaching a message on broken relationships within families. And my dad had a broken relationship with my older stepbrother. They hadn't talked in years. And I remember working the sound booth, and I could see the back of my parents' shoulders. And my dad's shoulders began to move up. He was weeping. And they went up to that altar that day, both mom and dad, and gave their life to the Lord. Amen. The rest is history. Yeah. Immediately, I started uh, going through all the discipleship uh, books with them. We went through live, grow, share, lead, shape, whatever they, whatever the next the book was next, we were going through it. And they've come such a long ways. And I see them, they're in church. They're, they were in our life group. They multiplied out. They're in another life group. Um, they are uh, serving in our church. Um, another ministry is they, they take very much pride in this as they clean the church once a week. So if you ever wanted to see one of the cleanest churches and celebration church come to Lower St. Bernard because they are there every Friday cleaning that church, preparing it for Sunday. And, uh, and, and just their marriage as a whole, just the difference in their marriage. It's just the sweetest it's ever been. And so I'm really proud of them. Um, I have a friend who I met in college, in undergrad, and uh, one day out of the random, he was part of our college ministry, he asked me to uh, disciple him, and I was like, okay. It was like one of those people was like, you wouldn't expect it from. Um, so we met every week for two semesters, every Friday in the coffee shop, and we just walked through scripture together, and we just walked through scripture. And at some point, I was like, man, you're growing so much, like, I'm proud of you, like, you're doing a great job. I was like, you know what, one, thing, one day, I think you're going to make, you could make a good pastor. And he just laughed at me. He was like, Ain't, there's no way in the world. And I was like, yeah, okay, we'll see. Well, we graduate, um, months go by, and then one day he calls me. I was like, man, what's up? It's been a long time since I heard from you. How you doing? Good. He was like, I'm mad at you. I was like, for what? What did I do? I haven't talked to you in a long time. Sorry, I haven't been in trouble. I haven't been doing a bad job of keeping up, but relax. But he's like, today I just got offered a youth position uh, to be a youth pastor. And he was like, I'm mad at you because you spoke this, and now it's happening. I was like, it's not me, sir. Like, I mean, can we consider me a prophet? Maybe. Still up for debate. I don't know. We'll see. Um, but I shared that story to say, like, it's just, like, it was just once a week, every, every week, just faithfully. Just every day we went back at it, studied a little bit of scripture over time, a little bit of scripture over time, and he began to grow. And then he only said yes to the position because he learned to recognize it in himself that he's capable of doing whatever the Lord is calling him to do. Um, and, but it started in, that, in those one-on-ones. And then even where we were meeting, we'd meet in the coffee shop, and then people from the school would come and be like, hey, can I be with y'all next week? So it started off with just me and him, and it ended up being like five or six of us, right? And they all went to, to do their own thing, but it just goes to show, just kind of be faithful. Like you were talking about earlier with obedience, something I try to share with our leaders often. Um, just be faithful. <laughs> you don't have to have all the gifts. You don't have to be polished. You don't have to have all the verses. You don't have to have all the answers. You just need to be faithful with what you do know. You need to be faithful with the gifts that you do have. And in your faithfulness, your gifts will begin to grow. In your faithfulness, you'll learn more scripture. In your faithfulness, you'll become a better life group leader. But you don't need to be great to start. You just need to be willing to be faithful. And in your faithfulness, God will bless you. Amen. Uh, I started off as the in midpoint, um, and then I went to uh, become the youth pastor. And they had a young man that came to church. Um, he was a tall guy. I love playing basketball, y'all. I'm very competitive, right? Yeah. So if you see, he'll, he'll let you. Yeah. <laughs> but um, he came there, and he's like six foot five, man. And he's like, you know, I, I can dunk on you. You know, we going back and forth, friendly banter. Um, and I could just tell he had a great heart. 
you know, and he came from a school, like, his parents didn't come to the church or none of that, um, but he started coming every week, um, and then I started taking him um, through Rick Warren's book, right, uh, The Purpose Driven Life, um, and he was telling me his goal was to play basketball for Kentucky, like, he wanted to go play basketball there, um, you know, and I always kept it real with him, like, you know, there's a small percentage of people that actually make it to the collegiate level and then become professionals. I want you to have realistic goals as well. Um, and I always kept that in front of him. And it was crazy to me that I thought I was discipling him a lot of the time, but he was actually pouring into me because he was 16 years old and had a zeal for the Lord that I had never seen before, right? It took me till I was 26 to get that. And just walking with him and seeing that he didn't get the scholarship to go to Kentucky, but he said, that's not going to stop me from going to that school and preaching the Lord to people, right? So now he goes to the University of Kentucky, and he talks about the Lord more than anybody I know, right? So I'm so thankful to see that he's at that university. He might not be playing basketball for the, the team, but he's playing with Team Jesus, and he's affecting the kingdom of God. So that's, you know, that's something that I think about. And he dunks on you. <laughs> no, no, I'm not letting that happen, but yeah. Well, it's hard to top that. Uh, we had a, a couple that, that came to us not far into our, our journey in life group who were getting ready to have a divorce. And, uh, you know, to be able to work with them and talk with them through that, uh, it, it's not just us. It was the entire church came together for this. And uh, I, I'm, I'm proud to say that they're, they're healthy, they're happy. Uh, they have moved to the North Shore. They're an active part of Celebration Church up there now. And we just, we just, uh, we love that. And we love being able to help people like that. And this is that opportunity to reach out through your own pain, through your own experiences, through your, whatever you've been through, and, and help other people. I mean, we all need the Pauls in our life, right? We all need, also need the Barnabases in our life. We need somebody to challenge us. And we also need the Timothys in our life for those people that we can speak into. And we need, we need all three of those levels. And, and if you don't have all three of those levels, then, then you need to be looking for them or need to be praying for them because God's going to provide that opportunity for you to speak into somebody else's life. Yeah. Amen, amen. I was going to ask you the next few. Yes, please clap, David. Thank you. David's a, a pastor, so he knows what it feels like to be up here on stage. <laughs> We need encouragement, right? Doesn't it feel good when they say amen or agree with you? When I'm on TV, I don't see y'all's faces. So I'm wondering, I wonder what they're thinking. But when I see your face, I would love to see the smile, the clap, the amen. I love that. You know, and I was going to ask you, in the past when I was in life group, I remember when I was leading one, I remember we had a miracle where this girl couldn't pay rent. I mean, she lost her job. It was, it was during the 2008 recession, so that's how old I am. But uh, we, I remember she had a really hard time. And I, I feel like, you know, when two or more are gathered, God really is present. You know, I, I believe he does miracles in a life group. I believe that's where you witness your miracles. That's where you witness your biggest growth. I really believe that. And I remember we prayed for her, like, for an entire month. And then one of um, us in the life group said, why don't you sow a seed and give in your most dire position when you can't afford it? Why don't you give? So she sowed a seed. And we prayed and prayed. And God did a miracle. And she got the best job. She got an awesome job offer the next day from Google. So I remember the story. <laughs> Google is the best. What? Do, have you guys witnessed miracles? Pray, you know, when, when you pray together as a community, it is powerful, right? And that's why we all need to either join a life group or lead a life group. Any stories like that? Yeah. Uh, when the pandemic first hit, right, everybody's in the house, you can't really do nothing, um, you're locked away, and we got some news um, about one of our uh, members in our congregation um, who lived, it was crazy, the story, how she started coming to Celebration Church, our life group was meeting, 
And this young lady just walked in our house and we didn't even know who she was. And we were like, how did you even get invited here? Like, you know, um, but she came in and she found out that she had a terminal uh, illness and it was cancer that, the, you know, the doctor said it was in a later stage and she has a daughter. Um, her daughter is only eight years old. Um, and, you know, when we heard that, the first thing that came to my mind was what can we do? Um, not just as the pastor, but just as people. Like, what can we do for her? So what we did was I reached out to the life group leaders, like reaching out to y'all. What can we do? Because I don't have all the greatest ideas. Um, and someone said, how about we go, even though we can't have worship in the worship center, how about we go to her house and then we get our worship leader and we sing praise and worship outside with her. So we went there. We prayed over her. Her mom and her sister was there. Um, who then came to church, got saved and baptized, right? But we sang worship out there, and the doctor said she didn't have long at all. You know, Sherry, I just did her funeral probably about four months ago, but that was three years after the doctor said she had a terminal illness. God gave her three more years with her daughter, gave her three more years with her mom and her sister. And when I say that was something that um, it truly amazed me to see how God, when the doctors will say, you only got two months to live, and God will say, no, nah, I got the final say. So that was amazing. That was a miracle that we love to see. Even though she's with the Lord right now, it's nothing to be sad about, but it's also great to see how God can work in the midst of um, leaders like yourself. Anyone else? Um, I'm married to Pastor David Gonzalez, and in August of 2020, he wasn't feeling well. I remember the, the pandemic was crazy, and uh, we finally were going to be able to get a chance to sneak away for the weekend. And he was feeling real dizzy and nauseated, so I said, let's go to the doctor, get some tests, just to make sure before we leave. And so he did some blood work. It was on a Thursday. Healthy guy in the gym, four or five times a week, um, never complained about anything. Uh, that Monday morning, we were leaving that Tuesday, I believe, and that Monday morning, we got a call. They said, I need you to go to the emergency room right away. David's in end-stage renal kidney failure. We thought for sure they had the wrong uh, patient. There was just no way, you know, this, this, this healthy guy. And so we went. And from there, it just, um, we were in the hospital for about two weeks, and they couldn't figure out what was wrong, but he, they knew he was, uh, his kidneys had failed. They were working at maybe 5%. And so um, they did some tests, and they did a kidney biopsy, sent it off. They actually sent us home. It was a Friday, and uh, we got home. We were home for about 20 minutes, and the phone rang, and it was the doctor saying, I need you to turn around and come back right now. And uh, I remember we were on speakerphone, and I said, what's, what's wrong? Is something wrong? And they said, uh, we believe David has uh, multiple myeloma. And just from being in a medical field, I knew what that was. It was a rare cancer of the blood. And David didn't know what it was. And I remember repeating back to the doctor um, as if, you know, my body was, you know, I, I was just outside of my body. And I remember saying, um, are you saying my husband has cancer? And they said, yes, we need you to come back right away. And so we got back to the hospital. And so that was in 2020. Um, David went through stem cell transplant. He's been through chemo. Uh, we lost, almost lost him a couple of times, and um, I'll tell you what, right now he's cancer-free. And uh, our life group and our church family just continue to pray and pray, and, you know, prayer changes everything, and I truly believe that. And so he currently is still on dialysis. Uh, he does dialysis six nights a week um, at night when he sleeps, and so we're waiting to hear if we're going to be on the kidney transplant. They tell us it's a cancer that's incurable. It's not if it comes back, it's when it comes back. But we believe that God cured him because God can heal anything. And so we, we really, um, 
We're so grateful to the Lord and for surrounding us with the church family and the life groups that we have because even to this day, we're constantly, every morning we get texts, hey, praying for you, thinking about you, and that's two years ago, continually praying for us. And so, yeah, definitely um, we're blessed. Um, it's kind of tough to follow that. <laughs> um, when um, I started coming to celebration, my sister had a, a life group, very small life group, and I was very hesitant to go. And I was pregnant with my first son, and they told me like I had to have surgery because of my gallbladder, and I was very scared. I didn't want to have the surgery. And they also told me that my son had uh, problems with his kidneys, and. We were scared and we were like, okay, we'll go to life group. And every time they were praying and praying and praying, um, thank God I didn't need the surgery while pregnant. And my son um, didn't need any intervention when he was born, like kind of went away. I mean, to me, that's a miracle. But one of the most powerful things was that after a couple years of me being in life group and then having our life group, uh, one of the ladies told me, she's like, Carla, do you know that every week we used to pray for you to come to life group? And I was like, no, I did not know that. Yeah, you didn't want to come, but we pray every week that you and your husband will come to life group. And, we'll, and we were praying for you and your baby. And I'm like, wow, such, such a powerful thing to pray for others um, that are not even in our life group. You know, you don't know how you're making a difference in their life, you know, or what the Lord has um, prepared for their life. And to me, that was the most humbling thing, you know, having a life group pray over my life and my child's life. Wow, this is very powerful. I'm loving this. You're ministering to me. Um, you know, and while I believe that God does work miracles and wonders, I feel like leadership, uh, you do have to strategize. You need strategies and practices. You do have to prepare, as you said. So what are some of the best practices for discipling people in your group? I'm sure there are black sheep. Everyone has, you know, someone who doesn't show up or someone who always flakes. Or I mean, I know what that's like. So, you know, there must be challenges and some difficult moments. How do you get over that? What's your strategy and practice for discipling to people like that or overcoming some of the challenging times of being a leader? I think Jesus probably laid it out for us best with his, his, his system of disciples, right? He had 12 disciples. That's a life group. But he had three that he focused on. He, he poured into those three primarily. And I think that's key to us. And when his disciples got out of line, he didn't berate them. He brought them back in. I mean, he, it, it's, it's just part of uh, what he did. And I think that really sets the, the prime example for us to, to move forward in life groups. We've got to be able to to uh, the, the sheep that go astray, we've got to, to step out and then pull them back in, hold them accountable, even though sometimes they don't like it, right? Uh, I know that uh, we, we get people that get ill with us because we keep inviting, right? But that's, that's what we're called to do, and we, we can't back away from that just because somebody may, may feel a little bit uncomfortable. Um, I think the other part of it is that we've got to make sure that w what we do is welcoming for the, those folks so they want to come, so they learn. There, it's an open discussion. Uh, we're not too, uh, too, too, too thought-provoking, but we're also not backing away from the Word of God. Um, and, and I think those are key to, to having that and, and having that open discussion. Do you ever get discouraged when you have a Judas? Do you ever get—because I, I remember Absolutely. I would be like, God, I give up. Like, you take care of that person. I'm done. 
Absolutely. You, <laughs> I don't know. It, it, it's Forgive amazing me. to me. Forgive yeah. Me. How do you deal with that? <laughs> it, it's, it's, my wife and I have different ways of dealing with it. Uh, um, I, I'm more of a, okay, if they don't want to come, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to back off for a little while. I'll check on them every few weeks and, and just see how they're doing. Uh, my wife is aggressive, man. She's calling them every day and, 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 and on them. Um, but, you know, we do have people that fall away. But it's amazing to me that within a year or two, they're back, right? We just, we just keep showing them love. We just keep showing them this is what we want to do. And, and they, they always come back. They always come back. Um, every Judas needs love too. Yeah. Jesus still loved Judas. Um, you know, but I, the greatest person I've ever seen to model out discipleship is Pastor David Ford. He's my spiritual father, right? And there's nobody that models discipleship like him. Um, but you know, one thing he always told me was meet people where they're at. You got to meet them where they're at, right? Everybody that comes to your life group is not going to be just like you. Right, But what God is trying to do is to strengthen you as well in an area that you might actually be weak in. God, I want patience, but you don't want to have patience with the person that's in your life group that's testing your patience. Right? But you've prayed for it. Um, Got to be careful what we're praying for as well. But that, that's what I've learned. I've learned to meet people um, where they're at. Because when I went to life group, I was an addict. And somebody met me where I was at. Right? I was addicted to multiple things. Right? And somebody loved on me and discipled me and said, you're James, but you're also a child of God. So when they come to your group, that's how you look at them. You say you are a child of God. And as, as hard as it is for me to love you, even if you're acting like Judas, right, Jesus still let him come up and give him a kiss. Like, so, like you just got to think about it like that. You got to say, man, Judas, Judas needs love too. And everybody needs love. And I'm going to meet them wherever they're at and give them the love they need because you never know. If you give love to someone, if they're going to be sitting on a panel in the same way that William Perry gave me love, and now I'm sitting here on a panel that Michelle asked me to join, and I didn't know what it was about, right? But, you know, it's when you speak life into people, it changes them. I was sitting down over there at a men's conference with Pastor David and a bunch of other guys, and he was our campus pastor, and... I'm sitting in the car with him, and I had a blow-up, like, how can I be mean to this guy, right? But I'm like, you don't care. You don't care about me. Y'all don't care about me. All of these different things. And he said, man, you know, one day, he said, I pray for you. And he said, I see. He said, one day you're going to be sitting on that stage, and you're going to be preaching God's word and talking to people about the Lord. Man, I tell you, just meet people where they're at and love on people and speak things to them that they don't see. And watch what God can do for sure. Don't wink at me. <laughs> I gotta follow that up. <laughs> no, I, I would just re recall what he said. I think there's a time which, like when it's the hardest, when it's the most frustrating, when, when we want to quit the most, it's always a good time to step back and remember what we needed from God when he invited us in. You know, we needed him to be patient with us because we was in and out and in and out until we became consistent, right? We needed that unconditional love from the Lord until we could walk in it, right? We all needed something different from the Lord, and whatever we needed when we came into the family of God, he gave it to us and more, right? And so I think sometimes we just need to step back and say, okay, I was this person. I might have needed something different, but what I needed, the Lord gave to me, whether that be through his spirit or him using somebody else through his spirit, but it was given to me. And stepping back and saying, okay, now this is my turn.
to turn to give back to the kingdom what the kingdom first gave to me, to give back to God what was given unto me, to the, the ministry of the kingdom, to the people. Um, and if the Lord himself can't motivate us, then nothing else will. So it's always important. Just remember what the Lord does in our life. Um, I would say praying for those leaders and really nurture the relationship with those leaders. I think about Tambra Egan. She discipled me. We went through all the books. She really nurtured that relationship with me. She took time to listen, not just talk to me, but really listen to me. And so um, I would also say to, to tag along to that is make sure you go through the discipleship track that Celebration Church offers. Don't make your job harder than it needs to be. If you go through those books, if you take those steps that uh, Michelle, she's been great. Uh, um, also, that's how I met Carla because I, we were having dinner once a month at Michelle's house together as we went through books together. And so take the time to do that. And here's the thing, the leaders, the disciples that you make, if you shortcut with them, they're gonna shortcut with the people that they raise. And that doesn't make good disciples. And so take the time, go through those books, take the time to listen to those leaders and disciple right the first time and you won't have to go backwards because they're gonna also disciple others who are gonna disciple others. So I had a lot of difficult people in my group and um, usually like there's always somebody who will interrupt you or will come to you, oh, we should do things this and this way or I think you shouldn't do that. Uh, I can do that better. You know, like there's always somebody like that. And one time uh, I went and complained to uh, Pastor David Speed and he's like, Carla, that's your rock. I'm like, what do you mean? Sometimes you get some rocks that under pressure, they're gonna become diamonds, you know? So that kind of stuck in my head like, okay, I'm gonna stop seeing this person as what they are right now and start seeing their potential. And and one of the things that I learned from our classes was, you know, we got to share the vision. What's the vision of our life group? We all have to have a vision, you know. And as we share it with the members, they can see where we're going with it. It's not just to socialize and meet every week. Like, there, there's a vision and a mission. You know, we want to multiply. We want to make it grow. We want your relationship with the Lord to grow. And one of the things that helped me so much, too, when, when there's somebody who talks a lot, is to go over um, the rules, you know. And um, what's the other word? Goals and guidelines. Goals, goals and guidelines. I know in Spanish, sorry. <laughs> so the goals and guidelines, you know. So you, I'll take turns and have somebody else read it, you know, one or two. Kind of remind them gently, like, okay, we're going to keep it brief. We're going to stick to the topic. So... Uh, at the beginning, it was so awkward, but as you do it more, just people just know that it's not directed to you. And, you know, having that one-on-one -on -one time, you know, like um, all of you were saying, somebody believed in you. Somebody saw potential in you. So I think people need that, that love and that motivation to be like, hey, you can be more than this. You know, there, there's a lot that the Lord wants to do in your life. And Sometimes, you know, that stubbornness or that criticizing comes from, from that insecurity of not feeling that they belong with us or they're not good enough. But that's how our job is to make everybody see the vision, feel that God has a calling for them, and that they do what God is calling them to do. I was going to say that, you know, one of the things I see uh, was a theme across all these answers was it just spending time with people. 
and just making people a priority in, in our lives. And I think that's key. I mean, you think about, uh, again, back to Jesus who spent so much time with Peter, who obviously was a thorn in his side, right? How many times has it said, and Peter said, right? But uh, he, he spent time with Peter. And, and sometimes we have to spend time with the people that we may not may not uh, just naturally be attracted to. And doing that, just following God's word, God following his will is going to produce results. Amen. Amen. How much time do we have left, Michelle? Ten? Oh, ten. Oh, perfect. I got two questions, so this is great. Okay, so second to last question. Um, what difference would it make in the world around us if we were intentional with evangelism and discipleship? Uh, you, it, it's hard to even put that in words, right? If, if we could each go out and disciple three people, everybody in this room, I don't know, 100 people in this room, that's, that's now 400 people working for the Lord. And do that again in two months. Do that again in two months. It won't be long before the city of New Orleans has, has a life group in every block. right? And, and that's the vision that we've got to have. This vision we have as leaders. It may not always come true. But if we just put the effort forth and do the, what God has called us to do, that's going to make all the difference in the world. And, and we, we're here to bring the kingdom here to earth. And uh, how, what better way to do that than, than build this church? This is such an impressive group. You guys are all wonderful. Can you repeat the question? I'm sorry. Um, since, we are at the <laughs> since we are at the Difference Makers Conference, we want to make a difference, right? We want to change the world. Yes, okay. I remember. So what difference would it make in the world around us if we were intentional with our discipleship life groups and also our evangelism? It would save numerous lives. And I mean that in every sense of the word. Um, not just like, you know, they'll continue to live. Like, they'll continue to live. Like, we'll literally save a life. But Jesus came that we can have life and have it more abundantly. So people are here with life, but they don't have the abundant life. They don't know what true life is. And I think a large part of that is because the church um, could do a better job at being more intentional about discipleship. And I think the book of Judges paints this picture perfectly because it says that a generation experienced the miracles and the power and the goodness of God and then they didn't teach and share their experiences with the next generation. So the next generation grew up, and they didn't know the Lord, and then they perished. And that's just discipleship. That just, even in the Old Testament, you're getting to see the effects of what happens when proper discipleship isn't taking place across generations. That's why, like, I have this baton, because this is what I share with our life group leaders all the time, because it's much like a relay race. Right, because in a relay race, um, what happens is um, you need the person behind you to let you know when you're supposed to run, because you're not supposed to look back. So, right, if James, there you go, <laughs> if James has the baton and we're in a relay race, I can't look back at James. What has to happen in the relay race is James is supposed to let you know when you're supposed to start running, and when James lets you know when you're supposed to start running, he's also supposed to let you know when you start running, when to stick your hand back. And when you stick your hand back, he hands you what's in his hand so that you can run with it. And once I have the baton now and I'm running with it, now I have a responsibility to make sure I give it to the next person, right? And if I don't give it to the next person and I don't pass the baton, then we lose the whole track race. We could have been the fastest team, but if we drop and we mishandle the baton, then we lose the whole game. We lose the whole match, right? 
Discipleship is the same way. You know things about the Lord. You have experiences with the Lord. But if you don't pass on what you know to the next generation or to the people that's in your life group, then they'll suffer. Then the next generation will come up and they'll die. That's why, like Pastor Heyman was saying, we need our generations because the young people, we broke. Hallelujah. I'm broke. Y'all got money, <laughs> you know. But more than that, y'all have wisdom, Right? Y'all have understanding. Y'all have different experiences. Y'all have experiences that in life that we haven't run into yet. But if you share those experiences with us, if you share that knowledge and understanding with us, when we get to those things, we'll know how to handle them. Those challenges won't take us out because the wisdom you've imparted into us, the love of God that you've imparted into us, the discipling that you've done to us pays dividend, and we grow, and we have life, and life more abundantly. But it takes being intentional with discipleship. And let that be the culture and the priority of our lives as Christians. God bless you. I'm just going to dream big for just one second. Who's, got, who's some big dreamers in here? Who's big dreamers? Yeah. Can you imagine every single person in your family saved? Can you imagine every single person in your workplace, in the schools, in our churches saved? That's what... The, having discipleship and evangelism, it's a partnership. Those two things together, that's the difference it can make in our world. We'd have a world with a bunch of people walking around looking like Jesus and acting like Jesus. There's nothing wrong with that, right? Amen. Um, I think uh, for my mom was the, the best example. So I grew up in Honduras, and my mom wouldn't care if it was the poorest person or the president. She will ask them, like, hey, how you met Jesus, and literally she did that to the president one time. So I was like, are you crazy? Um, if we had that mentality, I know we all have different um, personalities, but the Lord opens different doors for each one of us through our actions and our service. So um, sometimes our actions speak louder than, than our words. You know, if we're serving at work, if we're serving our neighbors, you know, that shows God's love, and that's our way of evangelizing other people. And that's why I try to incorporate that at work, just like you were saying, because that's our ministry. You know, I started seeing uh, the people I meet at work as, oh, this, you know, this person, God put it in my work so I can testify to them. So I feel like if we start seeing everywhere we go as an opportunity to share God's love, to serve others, it will become easier, you know. And, and sometimes, you know, we plant the seed and somebody else keeps watering it and they meet Jesus, you know, maybe in a few days or in a few years. But we did our part. And I think that's the important thing, that we keep doing our part, whatever that means to us. Some were shy, some, you know, like serving, some like talking about the office, <laughs> you know. You always find a way to share Jesus' love with them. Yeah. Amen, amen. Yes, give her a round of applause. I agree, because I heard a sermon once, and this pastor said, remember, you guys don't watch horror films, do you? But <laughs> five minutes left. Okay, so I remember a pastor said this sermon, and he said, remember the movie Sixth Sense? The little boy was looking at, yeah. he could see dead people. And he's like, that's not only in the movies, it's actually happening. I see dead people everywhere. And it, I think it's true, because in my office I see that. Their souls, you, you know, you... And I'm like, I see people, but they're dead. Yeah. And if you don't have Christ, you really are dead. So 
So yes, it's our ministry. Okay, uh, we only have a little, little bit of time, so one last question for each and every one of you. We'll start with, with um, let's start with Carla this time and go this way, because we've been going this way. Final question. So for everyone out here, give us a word of encouragement or message, final message, final thought from each and every one of you. Brilliant, impressive, amazing panelists. You guys did such a great job. Jeez. <laughs> So we want to encourage everybody here to, you know, be a leader. So what's your final message and thought to everyone here? Give us a word of encouragement. So um, my first thing will be you don't have to have the title of leader to be a leader. You know, we lead with our life, with our example. You just, you just have to show up. Show up. God is going to equip you. Many times we feel like we're inadequate. I don't speak well or... I don't know the Bible as well, but God will equip you and he will give you the resources. You just have to be courageous like David, you know, and show yeah. up and he will give you the strength to continue and seek him. Seek him every day. That's how he will um, give you all the tools and, um, and the encouragement that you need. And surround your uh, yourself with people as wonderful as uh, Michelle and uh, Jennifer, yeah. you know, people that encourage you and make you better. I guess I would encourage the life group leaders in the room. Listen, I know sometimes it's, it's if your life group's on a Monday and uh, you've worked all day and you have to get home and clean the house and uh, prepare a snack or dinner, um, let me just encourage you that you don't have to do this alone. Be encouraged and ask the people in your, in your group to do those shared ministries. Utilize that. You don't have to do it by yourself. Um, let somebody do the agenda. Let somebody bring snack. Let somebody pray. Let somebody pick a worship song. Um, somebody might even want to host in their home and give you a break. Um, don't be afraid to utilize that and share those ministries with your group because it can be a lot yeah. on one person, right? And I can really relate to that. You know, I, I work a full-time job. Um, my husband, you know, we're, we're going through a couple of things with dialysis, and, and every day is a challenge, but the Lord is faithful. Yeah. He's faithful, and he will see you through, and yes, so you're not doing this by, yeah. by yourself. Lean on your other fellow life group leaders, your pastor, yeah. you know, and if you, maybe you need a break. It's okay to ask somebody in your group to lead. I remember we were having a hard time multiplying, and so Dave and I told the group that we were, we were going out of town. We needed somebody to lead, and uh, they did. They, lead, they led, right, Dave? And two weeks later, they wanted to yeah. multiply out. So praise the Lord for that. Yeah. Don't be afraid to do those things. My last words. Just be faithful, and God's going to do the rest. Come on. Come on. Drop the mic. Um, Being faithful is hard when you have one person coming to your life group, when you maybe have two people showing up to your life group. But I encourage you, don't quit. I encourage you to keep going. The most I've ever been encouraged was a young lady that was having life group at PJ's and nobody showed up and she went live on Facebook and said, I'm gonna have life group with everybody that's on my Facebook friend list. Man, when he's talking about being faithful, that's, that's what it's about. Because the way that you view the Lord is equally and even more so important on how you view yourself, right? So don't view yourself as a life group leader that's failing if you only have one or two people coming. Me and my wife had one person show up to life group the first day. And we said, God, we're not doing this no more because we look crazy. There's only one person here. We got all of this food. 
But we prayed. And the next week, God brought 12 people. And the week after that, God brought another 10. We had so many people, it was a fire hazard in our house, y'all. That condo had too many people. But I tell you that, so like he said, you stay faithful, you stay prayed up, and you let God do the work. If you're faithful and you let God do it, man, he will show up and he will show out. So let him keep doing that, y'all. So that's what I'll leave y'all with. Amen. It's hard to follow that, right? I'm not going to say anything different than what they said. Stay faithful. Uh, don't put limits on yourself. We may be limited as people, but we serve an unlimited God, right? So, I mean, the, the limit of time, the limit of resources, the limit of knowledge, all that is inconsequential when it comes to serving our Lord. So, you got to keep that in mind. Just, just that, take that leap of faith, step out, and, and God's going to provide what you need. Well, my final thought is when I uh, see the word discipleship, you know what I think about? Discipline. <laughs> I believe in deliverance ministry. I believe that God can, you know, take down your stronghold at once. I believe that he can bring out all your demons and all your addictions and your hurt and pain. But you know what happens? What happens? What does scripture say? Remember, they bring their friends and they come back, right? But if you stay prayed up, disciplined, it's an everyday thing. It's like, it's like a diet. It's like working out. It's like working out your muscles. You have to be disciplined. And so that's what I believe is the power of a life group is keeping each other accountable to stay disciplined in our relationship with Jesus Christ. So thank you so much for being our leaders. Thank you so much for what you're doing for this church. Let me say a quick prayer for y'all before we give them a round of applause. Before you pray, I, before I'm you so pray can we give it up for, my, for our moderator? Yeah. Can we give, give it up? Great job. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It's easy when you have great panelists. I mean, where did you get these guys? They're just amazing. Amazing. You outshined the news anchor. So there, I just want to say a prayer because I, I just love you guys. You are so awesome. And Lord, I just want to say bless the panelists here. I ask that you give them anointing and wisdom and knowledge and the power of the Holy Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit so that when they open their mouths, they may speak power and life and encouragement to their disciples. I ask that you bless them and multiply their life group. I ask that you use them in greater capacities, enlarge their sphere of influence so they can even touch more people and bless your kingdom of God. I ask that you be with everyone in this room also and bless us, move our hearts and inspire us, God to evangelize, disciple, and to lead our life groups, but also to be at the foot of the cross every day to fall in love with you over and over again because you are our sovereign God and you are the answer to our lives. Please that there be healing and miracles happen in our life groups so that we may be here next year to share our testimony again. We love you in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's give a big round of applause to Jesus first. God gets the glory.